Well, it is a privilege to be here with you this morning. It's a joy to be with God's people wherever they're at. But it's a special treat for us to be able to come to familiar territory and see familiar faces. It's a blessing to be here today. I invite you to turn to Psalm 61 for a place to start. Have you ever felt weak and overwhelmed with life? I think we all know what that's like, at some level at least. I'd like to think a bit about that this morning. Psalm 61 has always been a blessing to me. I'd like to read that. Psalm of David, it says, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Especially like verse 2 there. Verse 3, For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. The end of verse 2 there. I appreciate that thought. And yes, I suppose all of us at some level have felt overwhelmed with life and, and just felt weak. And how do you like that feeling? I don't think there'd be anyone here that say, you know, wish I, I wish I could feel that way. We all want to feel strong and independent and be able to do things and go about life in the way that, that we feel led to. And the thing that I tend to do, and probably you do too, is we tend to struggle alone for a long time before we say, you know what, I can't do this, I need some help. I guess... We're stubborn, or I am at least, and and uh, maybe prideful. And as I look at you this morning, I, there's quite a number of you here, maybe all of you, but at least a lot of you that have experienced some really tough things. Maybe your health. I know a number of you have experienced health issues. And I've been through some difficult times in the, in the last year or so myself. And um, those of you that know my, my childhood and my youth will remember that I wasn't one of those guys that struggled much with health. I uh, was strong, athletic, and, and, and from that background, God had a few things to teach me that I can't always just go and do what I want to do. And that was a tough lesson to learn. Maybe I'm not done learning that yet. But uh, just just being forced to ask for help and needing help is a big pill to swallow for some of us. God has a way of showing us how self-reliant we tend to be. I know in my head that I need other people, but uh, some, sometimes it doesn't uh, affect the way I live sometimes. When a person is faced with something they just cannot handle, and that's uh, often when we realize that we need, we need help, we're, we're just helpless, we can't do this on our own. And if you haven't learned that lesson yet, you will, or at least the lessons will come. God has a way of bringing us to our knees and realizing our dependence upon Him. Message entitled this morning, Learning to Lean. And the thought I'd like to leave with us is that God designed us to lean, if that makes sense. God didn't design us to stand on our own. 
He didn't design us to survive on our own. He designed us to lean. I was thinking especially about leaning upon Him. Of course, it would include leaning on others or, or being involved with others, needing others' help, but especially learning to lean upon God. 1988, in the state of California somewhere, there's a young lady, I suppose she's going home for, home for work in the middle of the night, she's driving, and she fell asleep. And across the bridge, it was high over a, I don't remember if it was a river or exactly what the situation was. She fell asleep, she crashed through the guardrail, and her car begins to teeter off the edge. And fortunately, her left rear wheel somehow got hooked on the guardrail, and there she dangled, just barely caught. And of course, she's terrified. She moves any, and the car rocks and sways. Well, someone came along, several people stopped, they had rope, somebody had ropes on the back of their pickup truck, and they, they you know, tied ropes to the car, and they're, they're trying to hang on. Finally, the, a couple of tow trucks show up, and they, they took, it took them two hours to get this car safely in over, off of the edge of the disasters waiting to happen. Because it was the wrong move, she'd be gone. And so she's terrified, of course, as any of us would be. And um, each, as they struggled to, to pull this car back to safety, uh, the car would move and jerk and, and teeter, and she would scream, and, and you know what she was screaming? She would scream, I can do it myself! Well, she couldn't. We all know that. But... Sometimes we're that way, probably more often than we think. We're, we're struggling. We, we need help, but I'm a little too hard-headed to, to admit it. I'll do it myself, is my thought sometimes. You and I are designed, God designed us to lean on something solid. And that's what David is saying here in verse 2. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. We're so helpless in so many ways, and yet we insist on trying to stand on our own. What we actually need to learn to do is to lean upon the Lord. Solomon was a wealthy man, and he leaned on his wealth like many wealthy people are tempted to do. And he found out that his wealth was a poor thing to lean on. And he talked about that. And his uh, gifts and his opportunities and things that he, he was involved with in life really wasn't what he needed and, and what really mattered in life. Many people have tried many things to lean on, whether it's wealth or fame or popularity or power or skills and whatever else you fill in the blank. We can assume our health is, will always be there. And poof, and it's gone. And life changes in an instant. It can happen. And the question, of course, is what am I leaning on? What are you leaning on? Hebrews 11, verse 21 won't spend much time here. I just want to read that verse. 11.21 By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. Now we know when Jacob was young, he was strong, self-reliant. He was strong enough to wrestle with an angel and did pretty good, evidently, in that wrestling match. But as an old man, Jacob maybe had learned some lessons in life. And the question that I thought about, was it appropriate for Jacob to lean upon his staff? I think it was. Because he was an old man and because maybe he was worn out from all those years of limping on his bad hip that he got when he had wrestled with the angel. Jacob had experienced some tough things in life. Here he is in Egypt. And 
he had seen some hard things. And I think it was appropriate, very appropriate for him to lean upon his staff. Is it appropriate for you and I to lean on something? Well, I think it is if we're leaning on the right thing. God made us to lean. And I think it's rather foolish to think that I don't need to lean on something. Because we are, whether we admit it or not. The question is, what is it that we're leaning on? Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. We know that verse well, and I appreciate that verse very much. The fact is, the things of this life and the things of this world that so many people lean on will all come to an end, and they will go away. They will fail, but not God. And that's the challenge this morning, to lean upon Him, that eternal God, just as He created you and I to do in the first place, to lean on Him. He'll never let you down. And thinking of that, this subject of leaning upon God, I I thought about David, I'd like to look at his life this morning. Um, the things that David could have leaned upon in life. Uh, the Bible doesn't really say that he leaned on those temporary things. It just mentions a, a number of things we want to look at. And if David was like me, I would have been tempted to lean on those things. Must have been also been a temptation for David to be devastated and hopeless when things didn't go well and what he thought would in a human way would thought would have been good things and things that would that would um, uh, take him on to the is the next step in life when those things fell apart. So here's the shepherd boy. Samuel comes the great prophet, and anoints him to be the next king. And I don't know what went on in David's heart and in his mind. I, I've often wondered that. and um, I would have to assume, well, I'll just have to say it this way. If it would have been me, I would have been thinking, hmm, I wonder how this is going to happen. So uh, Samuel's come and anointed me to be the next king. What's going to be the steps to the throne? And you think about David's life from that point until it actually happened, a lot of it, a whole lot of it, did not look like steps to the throne. We do have the story of David defeating Goliath. He's thought of as a hero by the people of Israel, at least for a time. Think about leaning on my abilities. David had some abilities. First Samuel 17 We'll spend a little bit of time here in the book of 1 Samuel as we think about his life. 1 Samuel 17, this time verse 37. 1 Samuel 17, 37. This is David the shepherd boy talking to King Saul. Verse 37. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Talking about Goliath. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. So David had some abilities. And I don't know what, it doesn't say that he thought about, he was confident and self-confident as he faced Goliath and, you know, thinking about his abilities. It doesn't say that at all. In fact, we don't. It seems like David had a very different attitude about it. But at any rate, you and I are tempted to lean on our abilities. God has given us some. And I praise the Lord for that. Those things are useful. God gave them as gifts to us to use for, in His service. He intended for us to be stewards of that, those gifts, like the talents that Jesus talked about in that parable. The Master intended for His servants to invest those gifts. And that's what God intends for us to, to invest our abilities in, in building of the kingdom and God's uh, serving God and other people. But as David is facing a, a giant, 
in 1 Samuel 17, he must have realized his dependence upon God. In fact, in what he, he said to the giant, we, we see that dependence. I don't believe that David was trusting in a strip of leather in a rock as he faced the Goliath, that giant. Even though probably David was skilled, although the Bible doesn't actually tell us that. Verses 34 through 36. David said unto Saul, A servant kept thy father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock, and I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. And thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing that he hath defied the armies of the living God. David doesn't say anything about his ability. He didn't say, Saul, King Saul, I, I've been practicing for eight years, and I never miss my mark. It's not what he said. God is with me. That's the key. That's what da- basically what David said. We need to learn that lesson of leaning upon God. I suppose, I'm surmising here, Scripture doesn't tell us this, so I suppose David practiced with his sling when the sheep were lying down and everything was calm and he was just there. Maybe he practiced. I don't know. It doesn't seem like much to face a giant with, a strip of leather and a rock. But David went after that giant with the right attitude. Verse 45, And David said unto the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come to you with a strip of leather and a rock. Is that what he said? No. He said, I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. Goliath had his huge size, his experience in fighting, probably very skilled at it, his sword, his shield, his spear, his armor bearer, the army behind him that was backing him up. David didn't have any of those things. In fact, the army that was behind him was all in hiding, afraid for their lives. We can become intimidated when we begin comparing gleaming swords and sharp spears to a strip of leather and a small rock. But you see, when I do that, I'm forgetting the God I serve, who is much bigger than giants. How many times do I look to my own abilities, lean on my own abilities, in order to gain a victory? Why do I lean on my abilities at the expense of leaning on God, is is my point. Whatever God has called you to in life, whatever that is, does the work of God really get done when you're going about God's work with only your abilities? Sure, we can get some things done. If we work hard enough, grit our teeth, we can make it happen. But the work of God really doesn't get done, at least not the way it ought to, if our abilities is what's getting it done needs to be much more than that. I need to learn the lesson of leaning on God, not my own abilities. Another thing to think about is think about David leaning on the po- uh, my position in life. For Samuel 18, verse 13. Therefore Saul removed him from him and made him his captain over a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. Ah, steps to the throne, right? There's a shepherd boy. Things are starting to happen now. It would be the way I would tend to think about it. He's being promoted to captain of a thousand men. The, the king sees his abilities, his skills. So he's got this position now. He had the position of playing music for the king. Now, I don't know if David was thinking these kind of thoughts or not. But I would probably tend to if it would have been me. Here's some steps to the throne. God's keeping His promise. 
It's a real temptation when we have a position like that to lean on it instead of leaning on God. Or we can do the opposite and say, you know what? Look at my lowly position in life. I'm never going to amount to anything. How in the world am I going to get this done that God has called me to? I'm a nobody. And we can desire a position to the point of it becoming an idol. If, if I could have that position, then I could do the will of God. Then I could be somebody and then I could serve the Lord. And it's, it's not the truth. Position in life, God puts us in positions in life, but that's not what gives us victory. That's not what accomplishes God's will. Think about leaning on popularity. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 5. David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul sent him, set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Very popular man here. There's a young man that, with gifts and talents and probably a personality that just uh, he, he did really well with people, evidently. Verse 16. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and he came in before them. He's respected. He's loved as he went about his duties. With that kind of support, I can imagine the temptation must have been there to see this kind of support as yet another step to the throne. Women are singing about David. And Saul hated that. And that uh, it even got... Those songs even made it to the Philistine people. They knew about it. You know, we can be tempted to lean on, you know, if you happen to be the the type of person that gets along well with people and people seem to like you, it's it's a temptation to be a people pleaser. We can lean on our popularity and, and actually can manipulate people with with our ability to to move people and, and, and affect them in certain ways. And it's a temptation. Leaning on popularity is, is a mistake. Another point, leaning on, on having good relationships with people in high places. And David had a number of, of people like that. His wife, Michael, for example. I don't know what kind of a woman that that Michael was, but it says there in 18, verse 20, that she loved David. And uh, Saul was pretty pleased about that and and tried to use that relationship between David and his wife, the king's daughter, as a way to get to David, or try to. You know, what a wonderful gift it is to have a wife who loves you. That what a tremendous gift that is. And so here is David, the son-in-law to the king. Another step toward the throne, in a human way of thinking at least. Think about Jonathan. 18 verses 1 to 4. And it came to pass when he made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day, would not let him know go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and his bow and to his girdle. uh, Jonathan and David, that, that close friendship that they had. And Jonathan proved to be a faithful friend to David. Jonathan was willing to be the eyes and ears for David as when David got in trouble. Later on. And Jonathan was willing and even eager for David to be the next king. Rather than wanting that position for himself. You know, I, I admire Jonathan a lot. He was a good man, evidently. Very level-headed. As he seen his father's jealousy and so on. He, he acknowledged uh, David's call. To the throne that God had called him, anointed him, and he was willing to be a servant 
of David. I admire Jonathan for that. We probably have more encouraging words for David from the man Jonathan than in Scripture than in anyone else, probably. As we, as we think about encouraging words for David coming from a single person, probably more from Jonathan than anyone else. He was a dear friend. And again, human way of thinking. I'm a friend, close friend, a dear friend to the son of the king. And this son of the king would be very happy if I would be king instead of him. Another step to the throne. You could think of that way. Samuel the prophet would be another example. Chapter 19, verse 18. So David fled. This is after he gets in trouble. And he escaped and came unto Samuel, to Ramah, and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and dwelt in Naoth. It's a good thing to have a close connection with the prophet Samuel. And it says here that David shared with Samuel about how Saul had been treating him. And I don't know what advice Samuel gave David. It says in another place that, that Samuel grieved some of the decisions that Saul had been making. So I suppose he felt that way about how he was treating David. I, I'm not sure how Samuel felt about all that. But it seems as though Samuel was encouraging David. So we have, there's just some of the, the uh, people in high places that David had connections with. His wife, daughter of the king, daughter of the son, Jonathan, Samuel the prophet, and there could have been others too that have been very supportive of David. And those people had connections. He could have leaned on those people and seen them as, as and maybe he did, at least to, to a point. But uh, he could have seen these people as, as aides to help him to the throne. But people, think about us now today, no matter how wonderful they are, are still people. We're all weak, we're all flawed, we're all limited. David, I think, appreciated those key people. But he needed something more than good people to provide for him. And so do you and I. So David had these different things. He had ability. He had position, at least for a while. He had popularity. And people in high places. And I don't know how much David leaned on those things. The Bible doesn't really say but the truth about the matter is that anything we lean upon outside of God, they're all unreliable, all of them. Whatever you may think of, they're all unreliable. These things may help for a while. They may help on the surface and be very, very meaningful, especially you think about relationships between yourself and someone else, friendships and so on. But ultimately, anything that we lean upon outside of God will fail us at some point. We need something more to lean on. And one of the dangers is for us, as I've been saying here this morning, is that we can lean on good things instead of God. And, and right here, right here is, is in a nutshell this message this morning. If my faith ever rests in my ability to stand on my own two feet, then I will have abandoned the gospel of grace and replaced it with a self-righteous self-reliance. And I become the idol that I worship. And I become the king that rules my life. Are you, are you listening this morning? Anything that we lean upon outside of God is going to let us down. And unless I'm willing to say and to believe and to live as though God is absolutely necessary for me to take my next breath and to survive. And to do anything of any significance and to be 
worth anything or to have any valuable purpose unless this is true in my life that I'm leaning upon God. I will never experience the strength that comes through Christ. God has designed us to need to lean upon Him. Unless we lean upon Him, we're leaning on a staff that will crack and break and will fail. Psalm 18, first three verses, and read that quickly. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. And we could go on there. And my Bible has an interesting introduction to this psalm. Maybe yours does too. It says... Um, to the chief musician, the psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, he spoke unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said in the verses I just read. And in those three verses that I read, notice the references that David gives, the psalmist gives here to uh, something that is bigger and stronger and mightier than him. He says that God is his rock. And the word rock has the idea of a gigantic cliff, not just a little stone, but a huge cliff that's just absolutely, you, you can't do anything with a big cliff. David calls God his fortress. And again, it's, it's a reference to a stronghold or castle that just cannot be conquered. He uses the word deliverer. It's the idea of someone who carries me to safety or who uh, helps me to escape. He uses the word buckler. It's the idea of a shield of protection. The words, the horn of my salvation has the idea of deliverance and safety and security. Victory, salvation. High tower has the idea of of uh, a refuge, a secure retreat, a stronghold. I read in the beginning here from Psalm 61, verse 2, uh, that I've mentioned a couple of times already, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I think we can learn something from the writings of David. Even though he had some really good and promising things in his life that we talked about, his abilities, his connections with people, his position his popularity, and so on. Even though he had some of these things you could see as being good things, David realized that he needed a rock higher than himself. You know, you and I have many good things around us too. God has blessed us in many ways. Where would we be, for example, without the love and support of godly people? that are surround us here this morning and at other places as well. God has given us many good things to support us as leaning human beings. But may these things never take His place, is my point, as being the rock that we can lean on, a place that is higher than I. Now, let's think a moment for uh, about how David's support system was dismantled. Okay? We, we know that happened. And I don't know exactly how long it took, uh, you know, how long it, things went well for young David until things started unraveling uh, in his early advancement in the King Saul's favor. I don't think it lasted very long, evidently. He, he went from being in the favorite spot to being the enemy of the king, even worse than an enemy, worse, more of an enemy than the Philistines, seemed like. And Saul, the most powerful man in the nation, hated him and wanted to do away with him. That's quite a switch from being his favorite to being his worst enemy. 
Back to the book of First Samuel, uh, chapter 20 this time. Uh, last part of verse 3. First Samuel 20, verse, last part of verse 3. David's talking, let's see, he's talking to Jonathan. And uh, he's explaining to Jonathan how desperate the situation is. Especially thinking about uh, the King Saul. And at the last part of verse 3 he says, But truly as the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. And of course we could go on there and Jonathan saying, Oh, well listen David, I'll, I'll help you in any way I can. But David seeing his situation as being one step away from death. And so David's support system that we talked about has crumbled. It's gone. It's no longer there. He lost his position. We talked about his position. But he lost that. Chapter 19, verse 10. And Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin. But he slipped away out of Saul's presence. And he smote the javelin into the wall. David fled and escaped that night. No longer the favorite captain of the king's army. No longer the guy that comes and helps the king when he's not feeling good. Playing music for him. No longer the greatest battle hero in the history of Israel. They'd for long forgotten about the, the uh, battle with Goliath. And the victory that happened that day. He no longer has special access to the king. Now he's running for his life. He also lost his popularity. And the Bible doesn't really say much about that. We don't know if Israel soon forgot about David. Although he began to, people start trickling in. He had a following. So there was at least some people that continued to appreciate David. But um, if the Israelites were anything like we are today, we soon forget. Yeah, there's a big victory back there in the past somewhere, but out of sight, out of mind, life goes on, there's new challenges, and we forget. One of the things I wondered about and don't have an answer for is would have Saul, King Saul, be spreading lies and false stories about David? I don't know. Logic would say that Saul very well might have done that to smear David's name because I would think he would want to have some way of justifying uh, spending all that time and effort trying to chase David down. I would think that he would be saying, the reason I'm doing this because David's a bad guy. He's, you know, whatever, smearing his name. And we can do that as humans to justify our wrong attitudes and the way we do that is to tear someone else down. That's what Saul was doing, evidently. I don't know if the average person would have believed any false stories that Saul would have spread or not. We know that Jonathan didn't believe it. And so, I don't have a scripture to back up that suggestion that David's name was being smeared by King Saul. But... Uh, Logic would say that would, would have been possible. At any rate, we know that David lost his favor with the most powerful man in the country, King Saul himself. David also lost his connection with people in high places. He lost his wife. Remember that story? When David flees, Saul takes his daughter Michael, gives her to someone else. Wouldn't that be devastating? So one of his support people is gone. David also lost Jonathan, his close friend. Not because Jonathan chose that or that because Jonathan turned his back on him. But there, because of the situation with King Saul, there could not be a close connection with Jonathan. And Jonathan was also killed in battle. So David lost Jonathan. And I think that grieved him. David also lost Samuel. Uh, 1 Samuel 25 verse 1 tells us that. We won't take time to read it. 
And the whole nation of Israel mourned for Samuel. Even King Saul wished Samuel would be back to tell him what to do in, in the difficult situation that he faced. I would imagine that David would, was grieving the loss of Samuel too. David even lost his dignity. And we see that in 1 Samuel 21. Uh, probably won't read that, uh, 10 to 15, where that's where David flees to the Philistines and, and, they, and they say, hey, he's the guy that the women used to sing about, killed all the Philistines, a bunch of Philistines. So David's afraid and he acts like a crazy guy. seems like David is at the bottom, capital letters, the bottom. Here's the champion of Israel going to the enemy of Israel to try to find a friend. He's at the bottom. And he pretends to be a crazy man to, to be able to escape. So we see David's support system completely dismantled. Why did God allow this to happen to David, a man after his own heart? that God had great plans for. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly why God allowed these things to happen to a good man. But we know that God was up to something. And that's a real key for us, I think, as we struggle with times in life. God's up to something. God was up to something when all those things happened to Job, wasn't he? Yes, he was. God was up to something when Paul was a prisoner on a ship bound to Rome and wrecked in a terrible storm. God was up to something. Why does God sometimes allow the things that we tend to lean on and he, he, he knocks that prop out from under us? God's up to something. Doesn't make it easy. Doesn't make it fun. But I think we can be assured that God's up to something. And that something that he's up to is good. And one of the things I think that he's up to is teaching you and I to lean on him rather than something else. And so several things I just want to mention here just to reinforce what I've been saying. We should never lean on our human support system to the extent of it taking God's rightful place. There can only be one throne in my life and one person on the throne. Jesus said, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Those are pretty hard words you think about that. Do you love your children? I think we do. Jesus said, if you love your children, your father or mother, a close family member, whoever it is, wife or husband, whoever it is, if you love them more than me, something's wrong. Those are hard words. I very well remember looking through the glass at the intensive care unit in Lynchburg. Our little daughter, Sylvia. Soon after she was born. What was wrong? I didn't know. What was going on in her tiny body? Was she going to be okay? Thankfully she was. She's 19 years old today. And we'll be 20 here in, later this year. You know, if that doctor would have came out and said, I'm sorry, but the only way your daughter's going to survive is if we can find a, somebody to give an arm. And I would say, here, take it. I don't care about this arm. I want her to live. I feel, I feel that way about all my children. I'm sure you can say the same thing. You know what I'm talking about. And yet Jesus said, if you love that person, whoever that is, more than me, something's out of place. Those are hard words, but it teaches me, uh, it teaches us something about where our love for Jesus needs to be. Let's be careful what we lean on. 
even those people we love dearly and ought to love dearly, cannot take the place of Christ in our life. If we lean on anything other than God, it may very well hinder us from looking to God for the help that we need. Is another point I'd like to make. Our focus needs to be more vertical than horizontal as we experience difficult things. God, as I said, has given us many good things in life that we appreciate, and I believe God expects us to use and to invest in. But these good things must never take the place of God himself. And as I've said before, things that we lean on that are outside of God are temporary at best. Every human prop that I may strive to put in place will fail and fall apart. But God will never fail. He says in Hebrews 13, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And Jesus, just before he went to heaven, he told his disciples, Matthew 28, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Well, King David, he learned to praise the Lord no matter what life brought him. We see that in in Psalm 34. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. It's soon time to close. Psalm 34 is a beautiful portion of Scripture. Verses 1 to 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Notice when David wrote this psalm. I don't know if your Bible has it or not, but it says the psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech. He drove him away and he departed. It's a different name there than what it says in, in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel it says um, uh, Achish, the king of Gath. And here in Psalm 34 it says Abimelech. I don't know how to explain that. Someone has said that uh, maybe Abimelech was a royal title of the same king. I don't know. Uh, Not the point anyway. But uh, here in Psalm 34, we have a clear picture of what David has learned to do in difficult times. And uh, we're reading verses 1 to 3. And the point being that David learned to praise God. Um, Verse 2, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord, the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. David learned that. And he wrote this during this time of at the bottom of his life, it seemed like. I'm impressed by that. Verses 4 to 7. David learns to lean on God's protection. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. David learned to rely upon and lean upon God's protection. Verses 8 to 10. David learns to lean on the Lord's provision. It says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. David learned to lean upon the Lord's protection or the Lord's provision. Verses 11 to 17, David learned to lean upon the promises of God. Verse 11, Come, ye children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth him, delivereth them out of all their troubles. Promises of God. Uh, verse 15, uh, especially appreciate. The eyes of the Lord upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. David learned not to trust King Saul 
because King Saul didn't keep his promises. He wasn't a trustworthy man. Jonathan was trustworthy, but Jonathan was a man that died. He was a good man, but he was just a man. But unlike God, unlike man, God can be trusted to keep his promises. Verse 18, David learned to lean on the Lord's presence. The Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such that be of a contrite spirit. And then verses 19 to 22, David learned to lean on the Lord's preservation. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Amazing words from a man who was at the bottom. David learned some things, it seems like. He wasn't a perfect man, we know that. But he learned some things that we can need to learn, and we can learn from his life. You know, this this whole thing of learning to lean upon God has has, has really spoken to me. There's been many times that I have leaned on my own whatever, my own understanding, resources instead of a, of God. And and how about you? Just a question for us to to grapple with. God wants to bring us to a place where we lean completely upon Him. Some of those lessons are hard and painful, but God is up to something. And what He's up to is good. When we have all we have is Him, we find that He is all we need. So which way are you leaning? Which way am I leaning? Leaning feels like weakness and maybe looks that way but it's actually the best way God the power of God flows through your life and mine it's when we lean on him God bless you this morning as you learn to lean on him let's have a closing song